Have you noticed that you often seem to be saying, I should, or I shouldn't? Or maybe you say this to others and you wonder what it's all about. Maybe you wish you had more self-compassion and even greater compassion for loved ones. Do you just want simple tools to help you decrease shame in your life? If so, keep listening. Today we're going to talk about all these things using simple therapeutic steps that will help decrease shame in your life and increase self-compassion and self-worth for yourself and for your loved ones. Let's get started. I'm Kendra Nielsen. Welcome to Fulfillment Therapy, where you will improve your relationship with yourself, your loved ones, and with God. You'll find healing, wellness, crucial mindset shifts, and self-development help. I'm a licensed therapist, personal trainer, and coach. In this podcast, you'll learn the skills and confidence needed to transform your life from merely surviving to living a fulfilling, flourishing life. You can't reach your God-given potential and become who you were meant to become by remaining where you are. If you're ready, we'll create an ignited life you can't wait to wake up to. And yes, it's possible. It's your time to shine, my friend. Welcome to episode 15. Learn to stop shooting on yourself and others and start exercising more self-compassion. Now that title might surprise you a little bit if you haven't heard that before, but hopefully you have. So people say shooting on yourself or just shooting yourself. Either way, you kind of get the idea that it's messy and it's not very admirable or something that you really want to do. So Albert Ellis, he's a famous American psychologist, and he said, stop shooting on yourself. The first time I heard that, I just laughed and I thought, man, that's so appropriate and very memorable. I really liked it. There's also another professional named Karen Horney, and she was a German psychoanalyst that noticed this pattern in depressed and anxious people. And she noticed that they always or often said, I should so she studied that for, for a while, and we learned a lot of what we know from her. So when I was researching some of this, I like to look up videos, I like to look up articles, and there's one person that I often um, check out some of her videos. Her name is Emma McAdam, and she has a YouTube channel. I really like how she just explains it in very simple ways when I want to refresh some of my knowledge on... Um, many of the things that I learned throughout my education. So I went and went to see if she had any information on this, and she did. And I'll share her link in the show notes if you want to check that out. So I'm going to go through some of the things that she said and also some other research that I did. But first, I just want to give you a couple examples. So shooting on yourself might sound like this. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be more grateful. I should enjoy my kids more. I should be exercising more. Like I hear these things from my clients all the time. I'm sure as I'm speaking, you can think of a few yourself. I should be in better shape. I shouldn't be this tired and on and on and on. So maybe you notice you say this to yourself quite a bit 
or what even feels worse that I've noticed in myself is when we say this to our kids and our loved ones, our spouse, whoever that might be, there are some simple tools on how to do that that I want to share with you. But before I do that, I want to share just a quick story that I had with a client. So I have a client that struggles with being patient with his oldest son, and he shares how he loves him so much, but they're very, very different. And that a lot of their interactions really result in his son shutting down because he feels criticized or shamed in some way. But my client has a lot of remorse for his behavior and he really does want to change. And I can see that in him. But he can't seem to change that deeply rooted struggle that he has. He has these responses and even though he feels guilty, he keeps kind of going back to that. And like I mentioned in previous episodes, this says so much more about my client than it does about his son. But unfortunately, his son really internalizes these interactions and he believes that he's not loved and accepted. And that creates some major self-esteem issues over time and a damaged relationship between both him and his dad. I also met with my client's son and he's almost a teenager, but already his anger and his resentment are growing. And I can see that if this keeps going on this path, there's going to be major barriers to work through. And he's already starting to rebel against anything his dad really promotes or cares about in an attempt to hurt him, just like he's being hurt. Now, these are patterns that we really want to stop. Now, hopefully you can relate to this or something similar to that, whether that's with a son, whatever that is where there's some of those shoulds coming out, and that seems to color a lot of your interactions. And when these things happen, these are mostly unconscious when they're done. So most of the work that I do with my clients begins with creating that greater awareness in both of them. And I also give them a few tools that I'll mention here in a minute that can be simple ways to shift this away from shoulds. I mentioned a minute ago that sometimes I check out therapy in a nutshell, some of those YouTube videos, and I want to quote her on a couple things that she said, and again, you can look at this in the show note links if you want to check it out yourself. And her video is called Stop Shooting on Yourself. This is what Emma McAdams said. Shooting is based on an overly rigid rule inside your head that you aren't able to live up to. Shoulds generate a lot of shame just like I talked about earlier. This way of talking to yourself is like having a little shoulder angel, I would say a demon, constantly finding fault and criticizing you. But shoulds aren't that helpful in actually creating change. They mostly just make us feel miserable and discouraged. I'm sure that you guys have seen this in your own life, feeling really miserable and discouraged, just like my client, when he's caught yet again in that pattern, that spiral of shaming his son. Or maybe, again, this is just you. I should be more fit. I should be more patient with my kids. I shouldn't yell at my son. I shouldn't shame my son. All of these things that we tell ourselves over and over. I really love how Brene Brown explained shame. And this is really important to understand because if we don't, We can't understand why shooting on yourself is so destructive. So she said, Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I'm going to read that one more time. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed 
and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. I want you to think about that for a minute. Think about times when you may have felt unworthy of love and belonging, where you may have felt flawed. In those moments when that belief was created, do you remember feeling less than somehow? Do you remember being told that you should be doing this or you should be doing that and somehow you just weren't measuring up? So think about those experiences as I share some of these concepts with you today. When we hear these things, it's like a critical and nagging parent. And how effective are those critical parents? How motivating is it to listen to them? Or maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a boss. If this isn't helpful, why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we do it to our children or our spouse or our friends? As a therapist, we're trained to notice words like should or need or have to or supposed to because these are all just different renditions of the same thing and they show that there's a lot of shame present and that can often indicate that there's trauma or low self-worth and often it's hidden. So it's like a clue, like an iceberg. And you might only hear a few of these words But those big words indicate this big hidden iceberg that's under the surface. So anytime we hear those, we key in and we're like, ah, something else is going on here. There's another thing that Emma McAdams said that I enjoyed in that video. She said, when we leave piles of should everywhere in our lives, it's easy to become discouraged, overwhelmed, and feel like a shoddy person. Shooting is a bad habit that sends a message to your brain that you'll never be good enough. And again, that's just kind of reiterating what Brene Brown just said. So can you relate to this? Can you relate to feeling like you are never good enough? And maybe this began a long time ago, and I would go ahead and say that yes, it probably did. If you think back on when you first started to feel like you were never good enough, you can probably see why this pattern started. And that's not to say that we can't change our narrative and that we can't change things moving forward, but it can help having compassion for ourselves in those moments when we first developed that belief that we were not good enough. That self-compassion is a big part of the equation that I'll go more into later, but I want you to always kind of be thinking about this, that unless we can have greater self-compassion for ourselves, it's very hard to heal and move forward with greater growth. All right, so what can you do to stop shoulding? I really need to emphasize shoulding because otherwise kids listening might be a little confused. Emma McAdams recommends the emotion processing model, and I will go over that briefly, but it's very similar to my NOPER, if you remember that from the victim cycle episode. But I'll share both, and I don't care which ones you use, whichever one helps, but it's just a quick check-in that can help you change that shoulding in your life. So for her emotion processing model, she says, notice. So just notice the behavior. Two is pause. And so this is more of like that acceptance than that compassion, which is just acknowledging reality in the present moment instead of shoving it down or avoiding or neglecting it. And the third one is explore. So explore why that might be This can be journaling and trying to understand what's beneath the surface there and what you want to do about it. And then four is clarify. Really trying to understand the why behind it. This is where you try to untangle what's going on for you here. 
And honestly, I think I like Noper a little bit better because it feels a little more clear. So you just notice it. You own your side. Like, how can I move above the line? And if you didn't get that resource, I think I put it up on my website now for the victim cycle. Just notice which of those victim behaviors you might be exhibiting and own those and make a plan. So P for plan on how you will change those behaviors into more ownership behaviors and then execute it and repeat. And for execute, I also want to encourage you to be accountable to someone, be accountable to your kids, be accountable to an accountability partner so that you are actually following through on it. Again, this does not need to be huge. This can be very simple baby steps towards growth. I'm not asking you each week when you listen to these episodes to do a massive overhaul on your life and feel less than. I'm just trying to encourage you to adopt small behavioral changes, small mindset shifts that will have huge impacts as they are reinforced each episode. So it's really important that you keep returning so you can get out of old mindsets and continue to build those neural pathways that we're trying to build, that ownership model we are trying to build, all of those things that will keep you from falling back into old habits that have kept you stuck. When I talk to my clients, they often say, well, I just didn't think about it or I just ignored it or, or I just ignored my feelings instead of acknowledging them. When I talk about acknowledging your feelings, I really want you to try not to judge those feelings as good or bad. I ask my clients if they've ever been around young children, and I love this analogy because it really helps them be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can understand. Think about a toddler or maybe somebody seven or younger. When we invalidate them or try to get those little kids to stop feeling, they often get louder and more angry and more resentful. And you can just see it in their little bodies. Like, they're so tense. They're just feeling it so fully. But when we validate their feelings and allow them space to share them and explore those feelings, then often they're able to process them a lot quicker. And that tantrum often lasts a fraction of the time. Now, the same is true for us. If we allow ourselves to just feel it for a while without judging ourselves or shaming ourselves for those feelings, we'll be able to process them much more quickly and adaptively. And I know there's a lot of opinions on this, like, no, you should never feel anger. You should never feel this. You should never feel this. But again, those are shoulds. And I just encourage you to think about a toddler. Does that help for a toddler? And I know we're not toddlers. Maybe think of an older child even. It's just being there in the moment with someone else or with yourself and just feeling it and exploring it and just giving yourself some of that validation so that you can move forward. I also want you to focus on things you can control and change. When we should on others, our anger and our resentment grows. Remember, you'll never be happy if your happiness is contingent on other people's feelings. And I know I've mentioned this several times in several different episodes, but just remember that. Focus on the things you can control and the things you can change. In this YouTube video, Emma McAdams shared how Dr. Carly LeBaron teaches that we can explore our rules behind our shoulds. And this is something I hadn't really heard of before, and I really like this. She gave examples of how 
the rule behind I should always be happy is the rule that you're not allowed to have feelings. Or maybe another example that she shared was I should spend more time with my kids. And I know I've been guilty of thinking this. So that's the should. And the rule is that I need to be a perfect parent and I need to always entertain my kids. Like that extreme rule behind that. When you think of those rules, how do they make you feel? And really, how motivating are they? And often they're not, right? And are they true? Now, these are cognitive distortions. Do these cognitive distortions or do these lies that you're telling yourself make you feel more fulfilled? And are they congruent with your values? I'll talk a lot more about values in coming episodes as well. So we can change this from I should spend more time with my kids to I could spend more time with my kids. So this is something that I have used quite a bit in therapy, changing from should to could. And it is amazing the difference it makes very quickly. Coulds are less critical and just give us options. It takes away a lot of the shame and the feeling of being less than. So which option is in line with your best self? Which one lines up with your values the most? Which one helps you feel the most fulfilled? So if you sit down and write that out when you notice yourself saying those shoulds, just write down a few ideas on how you can act more adaptively without that shame. So for example, I will spend five minutes cuddling my kids before bed without any other distractions. So this is simple, right? This is not this huge thing. Like I have to spend all the time with my kids. Like I really want to have interaction with my kids that's meaningful and focused. Well, that's realistic. I know one of the biggest things my clients want to work on is self-compassion. So this, like I said, is one of those tools that's really going to help you grow in self-compassion. Not just self-compassion, but compassion for other people. Really letting go of that judgment. We can exercise more compassion when we stop saying should and when we give ourselves more space for that validation and acceptance. And again, acceptance is just acknowledging the reality of the present moment. Acceptance does not mean that you are saying what is happening is totally okay. So just keep that in mind. I want to give you a few more examples that I hear a lot from my clients because chances are you are using these same shoulds in your own life. I shouldn't be this tired. I think I mentioned that one earlier. I shouldn't be so frustrated with my kids or my spouse. I should enjoy being a stay-at-home mom more. I should enjoy church or reading the scriptures more. I should want to be more intimate. I should care about cooking or cleaning. I should do more in my church calling. I should be closer with my family. I shouldn't enjoy being away from my kids. I should have more time. I should eat healthier. And the list goes on and on. Can you relate to those? Because I definitely can. We're human, and that's okay. We are imperfect beings learning. Now I want to explore the cognitive distortions around those and change them to coulds. So number one, I shouldn't be this tired. The rule here might be, I must be superhuman. And we could change that. The could could be something like, I could get more energized. Like, yeah, that's a choice. I could if that were a priority for me. 
And if it is, then I'll explore how to do that. Number two, I shouldn't be so frustrated with my spouse or my kids. The rule there is I'm not allowed to experience a full range of feelings. And the coulds might be something like, I could find ways to be happier with my spouse and kids. So yeah, I could choose to do something that would make me happier. Maybe that would be a gratitude journal. Maybe that would be taking a course. Maybe that would be telling them three things at dinner that I love about them. Whatever that might be. Because there's an option instead of this heavy blanket of shame. It's suddenly a suggestion on what I could do to improve. Number three. I should enjoy being a stay-at-home mom. Or even I should enjoy my job. The rule there is... I need to always be grateful. And the could could be something like, I could enjoy being a stay-at-home mom more. Or I could enjoy my, my job more. So how, And then naturally, when you say could, your brain wants to be like, well, how could I? And it becomes a curiosity thing instead of a heavy weight on your shoulders. Even just saying it out loud right now, I can feel the difference physically in my body when I say could or when I say should. So you get the point. Those are just a few examples and hopefully you can use your own. If you have the time to sit down and do some of these exercises, I would very much encourage it because you'll start to see how it can be small shifts And that you can easily remove that shame by just changing your wording more and more throughout the day. Now I want to talk for a second about shooting on others. When we tell others what they should be doing, especially kids that have that tender self-esteem, remember that how we speak to them is creating that inner voice for them. So just a word of caution to be really careful how you're using your words. And I know you know this. And this is not to increase shame for yourself. It is just a reminder that words have power. And I'm going to read Brene Brown's quote from earlier again. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So I encourage you to use your words to build feelings of love and belonging and to help people feel that they are worthy. And that is not just your kids and your spouse and your friends and loved ones. That is you. Use words that build worth and build love. So remember that story that I began with about the father and son? Well, they're just beginning their journey towards eliminating that shame and mending those rifts in the relationship. But you can apply the same principles that they're applying to ensure that your loved ones feel worthy of love and belonging. And again, you can use the NOPER thing that I said, or NOPE to make it easier. Her acronym is not as good, but the NPEC, the Notice, Pause, Explore, and Clarify. And also one other thing, if there's a lot of deep-rooted shame, I would really encourage you to get your own counselor, especially one that does trauma therapy. Because you might have things that really need to be addressed and explored with a professional. I want to leave you with two suggestions that Emma McAdams also shared. I thought this was kind of cute. You could have a swear jar, and this requires some humility, which is pretty great, I think. 
you can have a little jar in your house and get your family involved. And you say, every time you catch mom saying should or dad saying should, let me know. And I have to put a quarter in the swear jar or the should jar. And that will show them that, hey, you're working on things too. And we are really trying to eliminate shame in our family. And the other thing I kind of mentioned earlier is just journaling about it or writing a big list of all the shoulds that you notice yourself saying and the rule that goes with that and the could that you could change it to. In closing, just a reminder, like I said a second ago, remember that your words have power. Try to eliminate those shoulds from your vocabulary or those musts or those have tos or those need tos or supposed tos as much as you can and just replace them with coulds. Practice more acceptance, which is acknowledging that reality in that present moment and validate your feelings to yourself and others without shame. So I know I gave you a lot of tips. Please try to not be overwhelmed by them. These take practice and I'm giving you information twice a week. Like I said earlier, just keep listening and practicing these things and you'll notice exponential growth as you make these tiny little tweaks along the road. Write these tips down and practice them or talk about them to your family to reinforce them and you will notice growth happening along the way. If you don't nail all of them, that's okay. If you don't do all of them, that's okay. Just keep coming back because you will improve and that self-compassion will grow and that shame will decrease. Best of luck to you, my friends. I hope and I pray as always that this strengthens you. Please share this with anyone else that you think would benefit. And thank you so much for all of your wonderful, kind reviews. And last but not least, just a reminder that I am launching Igniting Life on August 20th, which is a 12-week mental health and wellness reset for individuals who are ready for change and clear step-by-step ways with necessary weekly accountability. So this is for you if you're ready to ignite your life and start loving life again. I guarantee that the investment will be returned to you tenfold with these tried and true therapeutic techniques. Have a wonderful week, my friends, and I will see you back here soon. If this podcast has helped you gain the insights and skills needed to propel you towards transformation and joy, the number one way to help me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcast. Like you, I'm striving to become my higher self by helping others thrive. And I do that most effectively if you use your influence and give a review. Share this episode with a friend or share it on social media and let others know how it has helped you. I would be so very grateful and excited that we're creating positive ripples in so many lives. If you want to connect, you can find me on Fulfillment Therapy on Facebook and Instagram or go to fulfillmenttherapy.org. Thanks for listening and shine boldly and brightly, my friend.